they know that they need to be at a different place, but they, they're just married to this financial prison where they can't leave. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Superhumans at Work. This is your host, Jason Campbell, and I have a guest here who's going to bring us into a world that most of us don't get a chance to interact with. A select few individuals are at the top of organizations, and they might be playing a game a little differently than the rest of us. I'm actually very curious about this interview because we're going to talk about what does it take to brand yourself in the workplace? And we're working with an individual who's actually been doing this with executives, C-levels that are working in Fortune 500 companies and actually helps them find positions and placements while they're looking for a job change. Now, what does it take to brand yourself as an executive? Are there lessons we can apply across the organization if I'm working as a manager or as a specialist? So George McGarren, the founder of the Mayor Garen Group, is going to come here and talk to us about all these beautiful aspects, as well as how do you actually start applying this within the new world, such as LinkedIn and all of those juicy things. He's been working in this industry for close to 20 years and has worked with CEOs, CFOs, CTOs, all the C-suites you can imagine across Europe, South America, and the U.S., and he's here to get us started on some brand new world insights. George, thank you so much for being here. Jason, it's awesome to be here. How fun is today going to be with you? It's going to be, I'm, I'm super excited to talk to you today. Oh man, it's going to be so much fun. So we've been going back and forth uh, just before we started recording here. And one of the things that you were going to hint towards is, you know, you deal with these executives, like powerful people making millions of dollars, right? Now, when they come to you, they may be looking to find another promotion or they're trying to find a, a different match. Like, I, I'd be curious to know, like when someone comes to you as an executive, like what are the questions they go ask for someone who works as a talent, you know, acquisition executive? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a great question. It's, it's almost, I mean, it's, it's not embarrassing to answer this question, but I'll tell you, like these are guys that are make three, four, five million dollars a year. Right. And one of the, I would say the top, at least the, the top question I get is, Hey George, how do I network? Right. So it's an amazing because you would think somebody at that level knows how to network, but they've been so busy building their own business. They've been busy. I mean, they're busy building businesses, running teams globally. They're, they're kind of, you know, they're, they are like the, the God or, you know, a goddess at, in their own organization that they, they really forget how to, how to network. Um, that's like the number one question. Like George, listen, I've been, I've been really bad on this. How do I network? I've helped so many people out, but how do I do it myself? Uh, it's, it's literally the same question I get from people that maybe they make, you know, like five figures. Uh, but that's like, how do I network? I would say the second question, um, would be like, George, who do you know? Can you get me some introductions? Right. So it's, and then I'm like, well, listen, you, you know, you know, you, you know, 50 politicians and you know, this person, that person, you know, every leader I just saw on TV yesterday. And it's, it's, it's almost like they have this Napoleon complex, right. Of they really don't really have confidence in some of their own ability. And, uh, and they, they come to me for, for counsel on that. Wow. That's so fascinating. Cause you, everybody I think assumes, Oh, they've got it together. Poor me. I don't. And that's what's the difference is, but it sounds like we're all dealing with the same human issues. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like, I mean, this is the, we're talking about, you know, being on camera, not being on a camera right before. And you know, like a lot of people are worried about being on a camera now, right. Or being on a video. It's probably, I think everybody at one time or another had that, had that fear. You know, I used to be like, you know, when they started this a couple of years ago, because in, in the recruiting side, 
you know, video was sort of normal, but I think, you know, we, we all have these internal fears, right? Like it's, it's like, am I good enough to do this or do that? And, and I mean, you know that you've, you've moved all around the world, right? So it's like, I mean, is it, it sounds silly, but like, am I good enough to, in your case, am I good enough to move to Miami or good enough to move to Indonesia or, and, uh, but the executives, I mean, they, they're, they're just like us at the end of the day. It's not, it's really no different. They're really no different. Um, the other, the other thing, which is really interesting about some of these people, and it's just a, a lot of them are, they do really well financially, but they're, they've given up a life of, they just travel. They don't have a great marriage. You know, the kids don't see them. Some, some of them actually don't support the organization that they're at, right? They really don't believe. And the problem is that they've, they've got, they have a lifestyle that it's just hard for, you know, they're, they're kind of, they know that they need to be at a different place, but they, they're just, they're just married to this financial prison where they can't leave. And they're, they come to me like, George, I, I hate where I'm at, but how do I get my next role so I can work at a place where I really believe in what we do? You know, it, it's an amazing, amazing thing because they created their own prison. So it makes me think obviously of the, the example of having golden handcuffs at this point. Um, but I also am inspired. I mean, I'm, I'm, you're saying that a lot of the people that come to you, it's not because they're saying, I need a couple more millions so I can get that jet. It's because they're trying to make a bigger impact, it seems, and they're trying to maximize the, I guess, the influence. Like, I, I feel like often executives get labeled as bad people, like the evil people at the top of the organization with their millions of dollars taking advantage of the capitalists. Like, there's, there's a lot of stigma there. But like, what would you say is the typical concerns that an executive has? Like already you talked about wanting to make an impact. Like how does that unfold usually? Right. I mean, I think they're, 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 and it's, it's like a, it's like a catch 22, right? Because they're totally worried about their brand. Right. Uh, but at the same time, they, they're also worried about their, their reputation, which sometimes it's not, it's not the same thing. Right. So, you know, the brand is, is what I would say, you know, the perception of them and their reputation could be like the perception of, and I see a lot of the, there's some people I see on TV, you know, they're the, the brand is one thing. And I see these guys being interviewed and I know them personally and they're not like that in person. Right. They're, they're not as nice, let's say. Right. And uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, they have a lot of issues that everyone else has super high divorce rate, you know, problems with the kids uh, you know, lots of, I mean, they also have suffering as well, which you don't see the, there, there are a couple of common denominators though. Like they're all, they're all super engaged. They're, they're prepared. They know their businesses really well. They, they're optimistic. I mean, it's kind of weird. On one side, they have a very pessimistic side or worrying, you know, sort of worrisome about, they're worried about the future, but then they're extremely optimistic about just people in general, you know? So it's, it's a, it's a, they're, they're terrific, terrific salespeople. There's no, like if you're, even if you're a CTO, right, you're a tech guy, you're, you're, and you're at that level, you're, you're a great sales guy. They, they know that and, and they, they play to that. And sometimes it's a, it's kind of like an Achilles heel for them. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because, um, I mean, <laughs> for those who know me, I'm, I'm a big advocate of sales, but I also see a lot of times we get, we get caught into this emotion of like a pride in selling. Like you feel like you're the one bringing the magic because you've learned the skills in the process of selling, but then you just haven't been like brought, you haven't brought it to consciousness that the impact of what you do is like everything, every decision you make really has an amplification. And this is maybe what, how I see executives right now is they're just normal human beings, but they're at such a level that any 
any shadow they have, and I wasn't planning on getting into the emotional side here so much, but any shadow they have, any un, you know, unresolved issues is kind of manifesting that even if it's a small thing on an individual level, at an executive level, it kind of trickles down and gets felt through the organization. It's, it steers certain decisions that makes an impact that's so huge. So if someone hasn't dealt with a little something, it has a massive repercussion across influencing an entire organization. And they're, they're I mean, they're, they also, I mean, they depend heavily upon a lot of people in their teams, right? I mean, it's, you know, I've been on calls where I'm like, hey, listen, I'm going to send you this document, just open it up and then do me a favor and just search for this word or, or just, it'd be, and they, they like technology, they just don't know how to do things, right? So, you know, and, and uh, like they're, they just, I mean, they, they, they think at a very high level, right? Like they're focused on that 80-20 rule of, you know, very strategic test playing like versus the technician. I, I, I slowly fell into that, right? Because you start after 20 years, like you start, you know, kind of growing up with the people that you're helping. And then next thing you know, you're kind of just there. And, uh, and, and you're, it's just, a, there's just super interesting group, right? But I, I've learned, I think the takeaway for me is they're really no different than, I don't know, the person that cuts your hair or, or the person that, that helps you out. I don't know, the person that helps you out at the gym or, yeah, I, I just think there's a lot of commonality. The, um, but the one thing I can tell you, this is, this is a, this is a difference though. I can tell you this. Some, you know, sometimes it depends on like, if I need to get work done, I'll be like, Hey, let's talk on a Saturday or let's talk on a Sunday. I I've never, I've never had somebody at a, at a certain level. Like they've never said, Hey George, I don't work Saturdays. I don't work Sundays or Hey, I can't do it. Or it's too early. Or there's a, there's a mindset, you know, of like, okay, I have a project. I have a, I have an end game. Let's get it done. And, uh, that's, that is a huge difference that you see with other people, right? They're like worried about the holidays and, or, 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 or no, I don't do, I don't do calls on Saturdays, right? Or I don't do calls on Sundays. They, they, they show up to play when they need to, you know, and that's, that's one of the things like I could, it's, I'm amazed sometimes that, you know, some people just don't show up right when they need to, but these guys, these guys do. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a super intriguing thing. Um, a lot of these guys don't define, like they could have, they could be a CEO, CEO of, a, of a company. They don't define themselves as the CEO of the company. You know, they, they, they give a lot of credit to the people in their team. So I picked up a couple of things here as far as great qualities of someone who wants to come into the executive level. I mean, you had talked about like salesmanship as being a huge quality. You talk about, you know, having a dedication where it's like, you're working hard. Like I think that's, it's not even an understatement here. Like you're working really hard when you're an executive. And unfortunately it does come at a compromise to a lot of other areas of your life because you dedicate hundred percent to the work. And then obviously here I'm seeing some sort of leadership quality here, which is like having empathy or at least giving credit to the team, acknowledging the team um, are being really important. And I, I want to get into some tips that people can apply when it comes to branding themselves. But before that, I was going to just ask, you've been in this for 20 years, right? Have you seen any shift on what it takes to be an executive? And are you seeing any hope for having executives that are more balanced today than maybe 20 years ago? Well, I think, I think, I think the world is smaller, right? I mean, this is like what you and I are doing right now. I mean, it was probably impossible 20 years ago, right? So I think the world is smaller. I mean, they, they know that as well, right? So they're, they're able to use resources in different countries. Um, But in terms of, in terms of leadership style, I think it's, I think it, I think it's the same problem that, that, you know, we're in 2020, but I think it, I think it's all about communication, right? It's all about how you frame some of the strategy, but it's all about communication. And that's, I don't, you know, I see technology, right? You see this, especially in my business, in the recruiting business. I see articles all the time about, hey, the recruiting world is going to be, you know, like it's going to be at zero and by 2040, everything will be automated, right? But there's the people-to-people connection and, and, and people still have problems and that's not, that, that, like, that doesn't go away, right? So I, I think at the end of the day, 
that that's going to be sort of in fashion 20, 30 years from now, being able to communicate. And it, and it was 20 years ago, right? So I, I just, I don't, I don't think I've seen many changes, right? It's just the, the, the new executive now, like in 2020, they just have access to more information, you know, but so does everyone else. So it kind of, it opens up the playing field. It, it's, uh, yeah, it just, it's just a little different now. You know, like the, I think the deals are, like we were talking about, I used to, you know, I had a, I got a house in Peru, right? I mean, you know, I could live, move, move to China tomorrow. I think that's that's kind of opened up a lot of things, right? For a lot of people. No, no, it's all about communication. And I think you I mean you have a business, think about your business, right? And what you do. Your whole business is based on really two words, right? Communication and people. That's it. And so now when you're at the executive level, you just have a whole lot more people. <laughs> and so George, I want to st- go straight into it. So I know outside of the recruiting, you had this like quote, quote, unquote, accidental business that kind of emerged. You're actually helping people a lot when it comes to their branding and even coaching them at the executive level. And I kind of wanted to go over what are the biggest things you notice that people at the executive level might not be doing well when it comes to positioning themselves and branding themselves that I feel will be very, very good for other people across the organization to learn. Right. So they, first of all, I mean, the basic thing is they're just not, I call it pre-networking. I mean, they're not networking before they need it. Right. So you should always be networking. Right. Second thing, and this is, have you read the book, uh, Think and Grow Rich? Have you read that book? I have, of course. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's like, I think it's one of the most sold books, right. Ever. They, they talk about, I think it's the rule of reciprocation. Is that what they call it? The, uh, I, I think it's one of them, one of the laws of success there. Yeah. You give, 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 give. Um, that's a big thing because everything comes full circle, right? That's the first piece. Second thing is, this is a comment I get from, from, from CEOs or CFOs or about just about LinkedIn or social media. Like, Hey George, I don't use, so, I don't have time for social media. I don't use it. I'm not, you know, LinkedIn. I just don't have time for it. That's a, that's a mistake, right? Because every time you interview somebody or even somebody wants to interview your company, they go on LinkedIn or they, they Google, they Google people, right? And your name shows up, right? So there's an opportunity for, for we talk about sales. There's an opportunity for an elevator pitch there. You're dealing with a partner, vendors, the board, uh, you know, anything sort of like, you know, Jason, the business person. So, so not to take care of your LinkedIn profile. It doesn't mean that you're looking for a job or looking for your next gig. It just might mean, Hey, I'm just trying to get my story together. Right. So that when I, you know, if I, you know, if I meet somebody out for a drink and, and we start connecting and it might make sense for us to do business together, what do you do? I mean, you go on Google, like even before, you know, you agreed to, to, to talk with me, what did you do? You went on Google, you're like, who is this? Right. Like, who's this dude? Right. And you're like, okay. And that's what people do. Right. So, um, you're going to have your listeners right now. They're going to go out, they're going to look at my name and they're going to say, who is this guy who's on this show? Right. And LinkedIn's going to pop up. That's a really important piece, like an elevator pitch that people are able to control. And it creates so many opportunities, not only job wise, but also just, just partnerships and, and, and to deal with the hire cool people and, and meet, you know, interesting folks that you wouldn't normally meet. Um, that's the second biggest mistake. They wait too late or they just don't think, Hey, LinkedIn, I'm not on the job market. Um, they, they kind of, they have an old school mentality of, of branding as it's only when you're looking for a job. It's not, it's hundred percent. Somebody's looking to work for you. They're going to look at your LinkedIn profile, right? And you need to get them excited to work for you or work with you or join your team or, or, or sign a partnership deal with you or be a vendor or, or, you know, that's, that's a, that's the number two mistake. We just don't, you know, it's like, and they have some of the third mistake is they, 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 they literally, they don't, I think it's, I think we all have this as a problem, you know, like what to, to me, what I do is normal. I think it's just normal to talk to these kind of people. And I think it's normal to be an entrepreneur. And I think it's normal to be able to live in China tomorrow, but for some people that's kind of cool. Right. You know, and, and I think they don't, sometimes they don't appreciate all the awesome stuff they're doing. And 
they need to learn how to package that up to be able to sell that in, in a, in a non-embellishment, you know, not with embellishing anything, but they need to learn how to sell that awesomeness that they have and, and uh, you know, to the world. Yeah. And I want to dig deeper on that one. Cause that's something even I struggle with. I remember I had my, my colleague here or not a colleague, a good friend who just came over for tea. Uh, so I just moved to this place, comes to visit. I'm like, Hey, come over for tea. So we sit and he's like, Hey, you know, what do you do? What do you do for Mind Valley? Like you've been there for seven years. And I was like, well, how much time do you have? I mean, it was a good big cup of tea. So I'm like, you, you got enough time. So I just ended up telling him like all the projects I ended up working on, such as like launching Vision's book, running Mind Valley University, doing this impact at work interview series, Superhumans. I worked on the launch team. So I keep listing these things kind of very casually. And then he's looking at me, he's like, wow, that's that's amazing. You need to share that story. And I'm just like, what? No, this is boring. So like, how do you get over that that kind of sense of, yeah, for you, it's just so normal. And how do I actively, I had Meredith come on the show before talking about bragging better. Uh, but I was going to say, like, where do I draw the line? How do I start becoming more vocal about my accomplishments? Right. So I, I think, I think the first thing, I think the easiest thing is just to write them down, right? Like you need to write down, I was in a, I was in a training session where we had to write down literally like our story. What's our story. Right. And like, what's the good, what's the bad, what's the fun, you know, like, and, and, and it brings you back to things you did when you're like 10 years old or when you're five years old or, you know, when you're 15 or when you're 20 and you start, you, you think about it, like you have, a, you, you have a lot of, you've had a lot of experiences, right? I mean, it just, so I think the first thing is to document it, just write it down. Right. And, uh, I think like I, I was, it was, a it was a simple exercise and I literally had like six pages of, of who I am, like, who am I? Right. And I was a paper boy. And I was a guy who worked at a deli and I, I was a waiter at this high, this sort of like this, it wasn't even high. It was like a B class, uh, you know, wedding establishment where I was taking care of the bride and groom. And I was, uh, you know, I was, uh, I don't know, I've got, you know, I'm an ultra runner and I'm a marathon guy and I'm, and I'm a dad. And like, you think about all the stuff you do, you know, and who you are, you just start writing stuff down, right? Like, who am I, who am I, who am I, who am I? And, uh, and you think about the losses too, like, what have I lost? Okay, I lost this and lost this and lost that. What did I win? I won this and I've done this. And it just it becomes pages and pages and pages and pages of just stuff. And I think that's a great, you know, you can, you can pretty much, based on that, you can connect with anybody, right? So, you know, who am I? You know, I've got a house in, I don't know, I've got a house in South America and I've got a, like your story would be, is, is, is amazing, but just, you need to write it down, right? Think about it. And that's what, that's what folks need to do. It just, and that's, a might be normal. I don't know, maybe, maybe being a paper boy or maybe working at, you know, at a wedding thing, you know, is not cool to you, but to me it was pretty cool. And maybe somebody else it's cool. And I learned how to sell actually. I mean, I learned how to sell at these weddings, quite frankly, because it was, it was literally, it was like, I used to work these double shifts and, you know, just no salary. It was tip only bride and groom. I would take care of them. And it was, there was like, it was very binary is either they had an awesome experience or they hated me. Right. There was, you know, and, and, uh, I became a great salesperson. I mean, I think I learned how to sell because of that reason. Like you learned how to deliver value to your customer, you know, and then in exchange, what do they do? They give you, I mean, they give you money, right. I mean, they tip you things, but, um, you know, that's something I totally just forgotten about, right. For 25 years. Like I totally forgot that I did that, you know, but that's, that's part of the story. And, and, and I love that you, as you brought up these examples, here's what's going on in my head. I'm going like, oh my God. Now I just remember when I was, uh, I think it was 15 or 14, I was working for catering companies for weddings. So I already have a point of rapport 
that I, cause now I'm like, Oh wow. Like we also work in that. And then, then you're talking about, uh, you know, having a house in Peru and then I'm like, Oh, you know, my girlfriend's from South America too. So like all these elements of a story, we kind of construct, we, we, I feel like we naturally try to find a way to connect to people. And the more you have this like written down, put into paper, it kind of creates these points of rapport that just makes the conversation flow so much better. And I love how powerful of an exercise that is, just putting it down in paper, asking the who am I, which is obviously our biggest existential question, but we can actually write all the tangible 3D stuff we've put together in our lives. And like that becomes the basis of a good resume. And so George, we covered so many good things. It's kind of like having a behind the scenes, uh, like access to the world of executives here. Um, I, I kind of want to throw it back one more, which is like, if someone's striving to be an executive, we talked about the salesmanship, we talked about communication a lot. We talked about hard work. Um, do you have any other tip that you can give for people that wants to strive to be at the top level uh, that can help them thrive in a world, especially today? Right. I mean, I would say, 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 I mean, it's, it's almost like say yes to everything. The ones that do really well for themselves, they're the ones that take on projects that nobody wants to do. They're the ones that, that, that over deliver. I mean, it's literally, they're, they're, they're the ones that, that create, and I, and I call it like sort of the symbiotic relationship, right? Where, you know, I need you and you need me create, create that kind of environment. I mean, create that kind of situation where you're currently at. And I don't care if you have a business or if you work for a business, create a symbiotic relationship and you'll just see things go really smoothly for you. Um, that's, a, that's one of the biggest things. And other, you know, keep in mind, the people that you work with, they're going to move on to other places as well, right? And there's an 80% chance that your next role will be through six degrees of separation. Just treat the people that you work with really well because they will be, even if you don't, maybe you don't know at the time, they will be the next source for your, for one of your, one of your roles, right? So just make sure that you, you know, create symbiotic relationships, super important. Um, yeah. And I'm going to make, I'm going to make a comment, by the way, I mean, this is totally off, off target here, but I would say, did you, I, I noticed the mirroring of the, the black t-shirt. How many, how many of those do you have? I, I have like 20 of these things. <laughs> this is so funny. So this is the first one I bought. And, um, I think there's a lot of areas where we mirrored as well because you spoke about marathons and ultra marathons. I'm actually a Spartan. And so I love running distance obstacle stuff. So George, I love this. This has been so much fun speaking with you. I want to wrap it up for the people that are listening here, which is just the fact that we got a sneak peek on the world of executives. It sounds like they're living in a, in, a, in an office, a shiny office with a lot of money and they're not even human beings. They just are working like machines. Well, yes, they are, but they're also very human too. They have very similar insecurities as the ones we do, no matter where you are in the organization. So feeling shy, feeling like you haven't been networking enough. And at this point, they're also seeing that they might not have a full balance in their life. They're looking at balancing that out a little more. Now, as they look to transition, it's usually not because they want to make that make a, a bit more money. Yes, they do. But at the same time, it's more about the impact. I thought that was really fun to realize that we're all looking to find meaningful work today. And I think sometimes we get attached to the current environment we're in. And so when we work with someone like George, obviously allows us to understand more opportunities that are out there. And when it comes to branding yourself, we often underestimate what we do within the work that we are doing. And so do the exercise that was recommended by George here. Take an inventory of everything you've ever done from your childhood to now. Like, what are the things you won? What are the things you lost? Is in those like key nuggets of connection points and skill sets that you've always been naturally veered to and things that you find important in the world. And when you look yourself building a career, try to find yourself aligned to those things because that's where you'll grow, you'll thrive, you'll have the right energy. And remember, if you want to go to the executive level, be ready to work hard. Know that salesmanship is a great skill to have that you need to nurture. And it's all about the people. Communicate is going to be the biggest skill you want to nurture. And then you'll find yourself being able to lead some massive organizations. 
George, this was a fantastic interview. This was such a good time. Thank you so much for sharing with the audience here and everybody listening. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. <laughs>